0: So, welcome into the week five edition of the Backroads podcast here with a Texas 1A fan. Uh, I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and presspassports.com.
1: And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A fan.
0: I got to tell you, Bobby, as you uh, look around the state this week, there were some games that you knew were going to happen, and those scores turned out exactly what we thought. There were some scores that you went, Are you kidding me? And then there were some games that uh, we just got to talk about that it just it just leaves you shaking your head with, with some things that went on them and, and things that we have found out. So uh, just, just a crazy, crazy week in six-man football.
1: It was. It was. And we've got lots of stories and notes about that coming right up.
0: We do. And it, no place better to start than with our coaching interview. And boy, do we have a great one this week. So it's time for our weekly chat with a coach across the six-man land and nobody better to bring in than a good friend of both Bobby and myself. And that is the head coach up at White Deer, Justin Rucker. Coach, welcome in this afternoon.
2: Uh, thank you for having me.
0: Coach, it's always great to talk to you and uh, one of those uh, rays of sunshine out there in, in six-man football. And, you know, as I talk to you and I've gotten to know you over the years and uh you and uh, coach Perry I'm a good friend so uh, been able to uh, establish a relationship with you as well but one of the things i notice is as we start to talk about your team is i want to go back to the start of the year because you had 12 kids come out and you very quickly dubbed them the dirty dozen i, I mean obviously you got 12 it makes sense but you know kind of what were your thoughts there to start the season knowing you only had 12 kids out
2: i knew that we were going to have to be dirty and i don't mean that in a bad way but be dirty build, to be able to be successful. I mean, we're so young, we're small. I've got one guy that's got any varsity experience at all, and I just knew that we were going to have to play the game nasty and just be mean and, and dirty to, to have a successful year.
0: You know, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, White Deer's only got 12 kids. How did that happen? Is, it, is this something that you kind of expected, or did you have some kids not come out that you thought would?
2: A little bit of both, you know. We do have a couple of guys walking the halls that should be out here playing football and they'd be very beneficial. We have a couple that left White Deer that would also be big helps to us. You know, I don't mean it rude towards the kids I've got because I love them and they've been working hard for me. But we've, like I said, we've got one boy right now that should probably be playing uh, or at least getting lots of reps on varsity. The rest of them are not with us anymore.
0: As you've gone through the season, one of the things that Bobby and I have noticed, and and we love this whole pinning of of the dirty dozen that you've come up with, but your team plays hard. And, and you've been in games where you probably have won some games that people didn't expect you were 3-1 and one going into this week. There were some games that, uh, you know, yeah, you got beat, but you, your team just is playing extremely hard. Talk about the effort from a bunch of kids who, as you talked about, they just don't have much varsity experience in, in what you've seen from them.
2: It's been an amazing ride so far. We're three and two, um, and I'm in, I'm an emotional person, and I mean I've ended a lot of games, even this one we just got blown out by by Spring Lake Earth. You know, in tears. Just so proud of my boys. Uh, you know, we're forcing four and outs. We've got interceptions. We're we're flying to the football on defense. You know, they're, they're trying as hard as they can to get something going offensively, um, and it's just taking time, which I expected that. But I can't I can't speak more to the effort and energy and that style of stuff that that our boys are bringing every week and every day really I mean we have our down days but just like anybody in practice but for the most part I feel like we've been able to get it out of them
0: a lot of times coaches talk about man what a great season we're having you know that they're undefeated or a really good record and yet maybe they're not having as much fun you're three and two on the season fighting with a bunch of young kids how much fun are you having as a coach this year
2: I haven't had fun in a few years I hate you know like I said the wins and the losses for me this year are not quite as important, you know, as, as they would be on other years because um, it's going to be tough to win some of the games we got left. I can't even we, – we've had a great time with them. We've we've left the, lots of games. Like, like Friday night, we lost the game but felt like we won, you know, and then um, we've pulled out some wins against Anton and Will Dorado that I think we should have won, but others probably didn't, you know. So it's been a lot of fun.
0: As you and I talked last night, you're going to have a few more players out next year, but you're still got a, a rather smaller bunch. Um, and still, even though you're getting some varsity experience this year, a lot of younger kids. How, how much can you you take and really mold what's happened this season to go into next season as well to really start to build that program to where you want it?
2: We're trying to take it one day at a time. You know, and, and tomorrow, you know, well, we have we have a culture talk every Monday, and Coach Kitley usually does that. But we're really speaking one day, one game, one play at a time. Um, trying to be better the next this rep than we were last rep, um, and that's all the way through practice in every game. So we're we're using that as it, to try to get these sophomores, which is what we're relying on right now to be ready to go as next year or for next next year. You know we we won't have a single senior on the team next year unless you know somebody moves in or something like that. But our varsity is going to be about seven, maybe eight uh, juniors. And the rest of the team is going to be all freshmen and 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 you know JV players. So. To answer your question, we're just trying to take it one play at a time, and hopefully every rep matters. And by the time we get to next year, we've developed in the weight room and we've grown a little bit and we've matured, and we can we can take it to that next step.
0: Well, obviously, every season never goes without injuries, and now you're starting to get a bit of a rash of those. You obviously lost one of your best players before the season ever got started. I was there when that happened. But talk about some of the injuries you've had to deal with and, and how much more pressure that puts on on the younger kids to try and come through even more.
2: Yeah, so we lost that young man. You saw it to an ACL tear, and he's he's a go getter. He's so energized, and he's one of the only ones I've got that I truly feel like is just um, head first, trying to play real aggressive and mean football. So that was tough for us. And then we lost our senior captain the other night. And I don't think I'm hoping it's not for the season, but we're going to be without him for a few weeks. Brody Weathers, he's got a a hand issue and some some tendon issues that we're hoping don't turn out to be as bad as it could be. You know, we had a young man go to the hospital during the game against Spring Lake Earth. He was our starting tailback at the time. And so, you know, it's been a – it's going to be a great opportunity to teach these boys to, you know, how to respond to adversity. Um, and I think it's going to really benefit them in the future. So, although we're not happy we're without those three boys right now, I do think that it's going to help these guys in the future be able to respond and 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 to, you know, grow up quick, which is what they're going to have to do.
1: Okay, so with the Dirty Dozen, how – are you keeping those kids motivated to keep moving forward after all these hard games?
2: Yeah. You know, I don't think we hadn't had to push very hard they're, um I think they understand where we're at and being so young and having to fight for every little thing we're doing. And, and they're seeing the small wins that we have throughout each game we've had, you know, um, coming from behind against Will Dorado and winning that game on, you know, on their homecoming. And then uh, they saw the four and outs against spring like earth. We we're planning. It's a, a a way more experienced football team than what we, we were. And, you know, we had, we, we got a couple of interceptions and they saw us moving the ball down the field and just not being able to capitalize on the, on, you know, in score. But um, it hadn't been hard. I think they see what, where we're at and how much better we've gotten. So um, it's been, I think we've got a good group of of sophomores that are, they want to win. So I think they're seeing the little victories.
1: What's it like having coach Kitley there on your team with you?
2: It's been fun. He's, He's, he's just a good dude. He's like I said, he usually does our culture talks um, on Mondays and that's kind of what he does. I mean, he's a, he's a big culture guy. So it's been nice to bring that to the table and bring that to our squad and he's fit in. Well, he stepped in, he's taken over. I've gave him the offense and he's rolling with it. And, you know, he's trying to do it the best he can to get us in the end zone. And I think we're getting closer and closer and just a a selfless guy. He's been, he's been a lot of fun.
0: How has the town embraced Bobby and I, I know Kale at press pass, We've all embraced this whole dirty dozen thing. How has mm-hmm. your town embraced the whole dirty dozen piece? Oh,
2: I I posted it on Facebook a few times. And I think I actually, you know, I got it from a, a parent had posted that early in the year. And I got to think we really are the, a dozen kids. And, you know, being dirty is what we're going to have to do to, to be successful. So we just kind of ran with it. But anyway, you know, every time that we're talked about, somebody says it, you know, um, at pep rallies. And, you know, anytime somebody sees me around town, they'll bring it up. So I think everybody really likes it
0: you're a coach who grew up in six man world down in Valley. Mm-hmm. How much do you love six man? And have you ever thought, you know what? I want to go do 11 man at some point.
2: I never thought that, you know, I, I, I do love six man. And I, it's not a thing that I hate 11, man. It's just, like you said, I grew up playing six man and had success as a player. And as a, you know, the teams that I played on, um, we were always successful and the culture at Valley has always been great. And I think that was bred into me being a part of six man has always been who I am. And um, I do think it's, you know, I don't, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibilities that in the next four or five years, white deer's flirting with being 2A. You know, if that happens, I think I'll probably give it a shot. Hopefully it doesn't. I think I'd rather be one of the bigger 1A schools in the state than one of the smaller 2A schools in the state. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, that that sitting there, it is definitely much better to be a, a bigger six man school than it is one of the smaller two A schools because the spread in, in populations that people don't understand can really get to be big there, even at Division two. And man, you can find yourself very much in a uh, David and Goliath situation very quickly.
2: Yeah, and that's where we were when we went six man. You know, we were uh, fighting to just to fill the team. We were they were, This was before me, but you know, we had twelve or thirteen kids on the team and. Going zero and ten for two or three years in a row, two and eight, things like that, and it was—I think it was—a struggle. We were at a point where um, we were having kids saying they weren't even going to play the next year. And we weren't even gonna be able to fill the team. We don't want to be in that situation, and we're struggling with numbers right now. You know, we only have twelve, but um, we're going to be up about eighteen next year, and then and then the year after that, we'll be back up over you know twenty-four to anywhere between twenty-four and thirty. So we're just in a low group of kids right now. We we only have about seventy-seven total kids in high school. Period. And that's the lowest we've ever been. But next year, we'll be back up above 90. So, it's just one of them deals. But
0: well, Coach, yeah. we do appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Best of luck to your dirty dozen. I know, uh, you know, regardless of where this season takes you, I know you're having a blast out there coaching. Your your kids are playing hard. Best of luck to the Bucks, And, uh, obviously, best of luck moving forward.
2: Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you guys very much.
0: Well, if you couldn't tell, that's one of my favorite coaches out there, Justin Rucker, the former Valley Patriot. I won't hold that against him, but uh, now the White Deer head coach and uh, such a good guy. And, you know, he is. He's he's having a blast, and you could tell that, Bobby. And, and you know, it, to me, that tells you that it's not always about wins and losses. And, yes, that's oftentimes how we measure coaches and how they often measure success. But it goes a lot further than that.
1: It does. And he's one of my favorite, too. I just – I've, all, I've known him for a very long time. He actually coached my son. He's just one of those guys that it just makes you happy to talk to him every single time. And he's a, he's a funny guy too.
0: Oh, yeah, he definitely is. So uh, we talked about his Bucks fell in that that game to spring like Earth 50 to nothing. But, you know, as he said, um, w- when you look at it, they were only down 12 to nothing about midway through the second quarter. And I thought, holy cow, they're playing really, really hard one more time and you know they—they they finally just fell. Too many injuries, too many young people. Spring Lake Earth is a good team, but uh, it's just great to see a team really rise up like that and 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 play to that motto of the Dirty Dozen.
1: Well, and not only that, but that Dirty Dozen is going to be around for a couple more years. So we're going to have to keep that in our back pocket because if those kids stay around, it's going to be quite something.
0: That it will. Well, speaking of something, let's get started in Division 1, and we'll begin at the top, the Knox City Greyhounds, and uh, the only top 10 uh, matchup of two teams that we had this week, taking on uh, number 8 Kroll out of Division 2, and it was all Greyhounds in this one, a 51-6. to six. Cameron Hernandez, 94 yards rushing and two scores. Bryson Calloway, 6-9, uh, 135 and two touchdowns. Austin Hernandez in the uh, a losing effort for Kroll, 19 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown, but the Greyhounds, Just keep things rolling, Bobby.
1: Oh, they are rolling. But, you know, we talked about this a few times, and they're going to have to meet that dastardly Westbrook Wildcat team again. And I think that there's probably going to be about 9,000 people if that game happens later on in a couple of months.
0: <laughs> Boy, you're, you're right there. People will come out of the woodwork to see that one. Obviously, Knox City beat Westbrook to start the season. Westbrook's been on a roll since then. They took out Garden City, Westbrook number two in the state. They went at 60-8, to Grayson Jeffrey, only three carries, but he had 95 yards and two touchdowns out of those three carries. And Keegan Gilbert, five carries, 76 yards, three touchdowns. 74 yards through the air and a touchdown as the Wildcats and Coach Matlock keep on a-rolling. Number four. Now, here's one of the games that we're going to talk about, Bobby, because this one stunned me. If anybody's ever messed with score stream before, anybody can really get in there and and put in a score. And oftentimes, most people are very good about it. But every so often, you'll see this 99-9 to score or, or something really crazy. Well, when I looked up and saw that Abbott and Avalon were tied at 32, I thought, somebody's got to be messing with score stream. And you thought the same thing, but lo and behold, we were wrong.
1: We were wrong. And actually, I had seen it in the first quarter, and Avalon was up two scores on Abbott. And I thought, I wonder if someone's putting it in incorrectly. And Avalon's score kept going up. So I messaged Kara Crawford, and she said Oh, no, that's that's correct. It's it's quite painful. Um, So I believe maybe the Abbott Panthers were overlooking Avalon and maybe looking ahead to their Thursday game against Borden County. But as you and I both could tell after halftime, when I believe they may have had a come to Jesus meeting, the score was definitely different in the third quarter.
0: Yeah, I know it was. And Abbott runs off with this one. They outscore Avalon a 30 to nothing there in the second half to win it 62 to 32.
1: Also, I have to tell you, I believe that Riley Sestala, you know, our choir boy, and no, that name will never go away. I'm so sorry, Riley, but that's just the way it is. I believe that he just decided that he got something in his mind, so that he was just going to score, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, I think that, oh, Choir Boy, when he gets something on his mind, I'm pretty sure that it's going to happen.
0: Well, I, I think you're right there. 17 carries in this ball game, 328 yards and six touchdowns. He also completed two pass uh, completions in the game for 89 yards and a touchdown. Oh, and by the way, he had 19 tackles as well.
1: That's which crazy.
0: It, it, and how many games do you see it where – a young man gets 19 tackles and is the second leading tackler on the team because his buddy, Joy Pavelka had 89 yards receiving and a touchdown, uh, but he also had 22 tackles in this game. Unbelievable.
1: I'm, and those probably all happened in the third and fourth quarter, if I'm guessing, because I'm telling you, I don't know what they did the first half, but the second half, they were a totally different team.
0: Well, they were. And you know what? You've got to give a shout out to the Avalon Eagles A heck of a a game in this one. Josh Novak, 19 carries, 183 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, But uh, Avalon falls in this one in the end, uh, 62 to 32. Number five, a white face. No problem with Will Dorado, 68 to 14. The Mustangs playing without Aiden Woodard, but Blue Washington in a losing effort, 79 rushing yards and a touchdown. Had eight tackles and Ryan Cox, eight tackles as well. But Coach Lemmon's antelopes continue to roll. Number six, Rankin. They take out Van Horn, a 52-22. to 22. Barrett Jackson, 250 on the ground, three touchdowns. Jackson Wyatt, 118 yards of passing and two touchdowns. And Blake Bunger is back. That's right. Two catches, 83 yards and a touchdown in this one. And for Van Horn, Cy Garcia, you've heard that name before, 165 yards rushing and a touchdown. Also threw a 56-yard touchdown pass. And Pablo Mendez, two uh, receptions for 70 yards and a touchdown. But Rankin takes out Van Horn 52 to 22.
1: That was the battle of the Jumbotron schools. And we'll talk uh, about that a little bit later.
0: <laughs> you, you are right. Gotta, gotta love those Jumbotrons. Number seven, May taking on Fort Worth thesis. So that's the home school out of Fort Worth. And holy cow, check out the score 55. 55- 54, May wins this one. Braden Steele, 235 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Also had two uh, passing touchdowns. Jackson Lusk had a rushing and a receiving touchdown and 11 tackles. But what a ball game in this one. 55 to 54, May, May wins this one. I would imagine Coach Steele at the end was going, just get me out of here.
1: <laughs> Probably so.
0: <laughs> now for the next one, Bobby. Jonesboro. The Eagles and Coach Gallegos taking on Stephenville Faith, a homeschool out of Stephenville. This game ended as the fourth largest margin of victory in UIL six-man history since we started keeping the stats. They won it at halftime. 90 to nothing, Bobby. 90 to nothing.
1: You know, that's a lot of points. So – so the Jonesboro Eagles were probably pretty tired at the end of those two quarters, <laughs> if I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, that is amazing. 90 to nothing, the final score in that one. Number nine, Aquila takes down a three-way 58 to 13. Hagan Williams had a heck of a night. Four rushing touchdowns, three pass- passing touchdowns. And the three-way Braves, according to uh, what I understand, had one heck of a time trying to uh, stop... Uh, from a defensive perspective, the six foot six, two hundred and ten-pound defensive end Carson Miller. I guess he lived in the Braves backfield all night long. And you can imagine at that size, he did.
1: Well oh my gosh, can you can you imagine trying to stop the six six two ten Carson Miller from getting into the backfield?
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, that's crazy. <laughs> Uh, number 10, happy over Lubbock, uh, the Lubbock Titans homeschool team, 52 to 6. No Warriors, 129 yards passing, four touchdowns. Cole Gibson, and this is a name to remember because he played right in, three catches, 72 yards, and two touchdowns. I bring his name up A, because he had a good night. B, he was filling in for Quay Hodges. Well, Quay Hodges injured? No. Quay Hodges is filling in for three missing. Uh, starters for the Cowboys in the backfield. So Coach Perriman gets creative out of necessity and moves Quay Hodges to a part-time quarterback slash fullback role. And I know I see you laughing, I, Bobby. You just can't imagine, can you?
1: <laughs> no, I'm trying to visualize that and it's just not coming to me. I mean, he's a brute force on defense. How in the world could you put him at quarterback?
0: He had I, soft hands. He was good at catching the snap.
1: I, I bet he was, but I mean, I can understand. I heard you say the word necessity. Yes. I can understand having to do that. I mean, that's not the ideal place for Quay Hodges, but, but you know, if he can do it, let him do it. So right. are you are you saying that he's become a utility player?
0: I, I guess so. I, you know, you got to start looking at this and you go, We've had Bo Payne in the backfield. We've had Quay Hodges in the backfield. I know Nazareth put Kel Rogers in the backfield. Uh, I know last year Coach lamb put Tucker Schleter in the backfield. That's some big old boys coming at you. Even if they're nothing lined up as nothing more than a fullback in an eye position, I wouldn't want to get in the way of their them
1: coming around on a sweep. Not in a million years. Not in a million <laughs> years. No way. I mean, what would you do if you looked up and here comes Quay Hodges? fullback I mean, way. I'd be like, you know what, if you, you know, my personality wouldn't allow that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd probably get trucked.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Gotta love it. The joys of six man football. You see some things that you wouldn't normally see at 11 man. And that's part of the reason why we love it.
1: I'm going to have to go find some of that film and watch that because I just <laughs> I can't I cannot visualize that. And I don't normally have a hard time visualizing things but that is hard to visualize
0: well we'll have, we'll have to get you some film on that one let's move down to division two where number one of benjamin continues to roll no problem with roby 77 to 12 uh number two jayton was on the road thursday night taking on the Silver Snows who sit just outside the top 10 at number 11 and it was all jaybirds in this one 46 to nothing Jaden scores First uh, two plays out of the box. They score. Aiden Salazar runs it in from three yards out. Silverton gets the ball back, and they're marching down the field behind Sawyer Francis. They get a fourth and a three, and Cardinals Alanis found his man, Zayden Ortiz, at the 10-yard line wide open. Unfortunately, Ortiz couldn't bring it in. That turned the ball back over to Jayden. The Jaybirds three plays later. Sean Staniland finds Griff real on an acrobatic catch, and, of course, Griff Real at 6'4", 6'5". You know, he went high in the sky to get it anyway. Uh, Hauls it in for a touchdown. It's 14 to nothing, and I'm thinking, oh, this one's going to get out of hand. But Silverton comes right back down the field. They're in the red zone. Francis gets flushed out of the pocket, runs to the right side. Guess who makes the interception at the goal line? Nobody else but Griff Real, and that kind of sealed the deal. In this one, Sean Staniland with three touchdown passes, but, you know, Coach Kevin Hearn told me, the Jaybirds really don't have much of a weakness on this team right now and they're looking really good.
1: Yeah, um lots of people need to be watching that. Not just because I'm from Jayton and I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I feel the need to say that. I don't even live in Jayton anymore, but you know, once Jaybird always Jaybird. But Jayton is really good and we knew they were going to be good this year. They were good last year. And they had all freshmen, you know, lots of freshmen this year, they're sophomores. So we're going to be talking about them for a little while.
0: We are. That was a scary part. When you looked at the uh, rosters, you know, it was it was sophomores and, and juniors, the ones making the plays uh, outside of uh, Justin Collins, the senior, it really was a very sophomore and junior heavy uh, team. So uh, the Jaybirds are going to be something to handle over the next couple of years. Number three, Whit Harrell, they take out Throckmorton, 58-12, Jack Griffin in this one, 264 yards passing and four touchdowns. He also had 31 yards rushing and a touchdown. Nathan Sampson, uh, two receptions for 121 yards and two touchdowns. That's a heck of, a, of an average there. And in the loss for Throckmorton, Jacob Gaspar, 30 carries, 128 yards and two touchdowns. Another interesting matchup, Klondike taking on a quality team out of Division I in the Ira Bulldogs, but the Cougars continue to roll. They win this one at 78-30. Number five at Cherokee, the Indians, no par- problem with Bolverde, Bracken, Christian. They win at 61-16. to 16. Uh, Coach Daniel henny who we had on the show last week, continues to roll with his team. Amherst takes out Southland 56-8. to eight. Number seven, Rochelle, no problem with Avant 53 to six number nine oglesby we had coach dixon on a couple of weeks ago see it, it pays to get on the show bobby because huh, you, you yeah, need to roll <laughs> watch
1: white Bear win this week no. Yeah, exactly
0: exactly <laughs> oglesby takes down waco methodist children's home at 39 to 19 and then the final team in the top 10 in division two the richland springs cows boy they got their hands full with coolidge yellow jackets Richland Springs wins this one, a 42-38. Kenny Triplett in this one for the Cows. 6-9, 89 yards, and two touchdowns. Also had 77 yards rushing, engaged Barons, 47 yards rushing, two touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown.
1: Now, let me tell you about this game. This game, Coolidge was ahead the majority of the game. I kept watching the score, and the reason I was is because uh, James McIntyre, who happens to be one of the very first kids from Milford who ever sent me scores. I mean, and that was, what, eight, seven, six, seven, six or seven years ago. <laughs> He's the assistant coach, and I believe the head coach, uh, Rogers, was ill. So <laughs> James got the the reins in this game against Coolidge, and he was very excited because the, the Coyotes never gave up. And they scored on really the last play to win this game. Wow. Now it was a it was a barn burner this game was and they they showed what they were all about. Coolidge was almost too much for them to handle, but the coyotes pulled it out at the very end.
0: Wow, that's a really good victory there for Richmond Springs. And that kind of wraps up the top 10 in both uh, both Division One and Division Two. Other games that we've got news and notes on, and we have to start at the beginning here because it was a game I was looking forward to. Borden County and Highland did battle. And, you know, you and I, you've seen Highland play. They've been impressive so far this year. And Borden County has been impressive, but kind of flying under the radar, if there is such a thing. Well, they're not anymore. They take out Highland in this one, 54-24. Ah, uh, the counts r- rolled up three hundred and ninety-nine yards of total offense uh, for the Highland Hornets. Braxton Smith, eighty-nine yards rushing and a touchdown. Also had eighty-eight yards passing and a touchdown. And your man Tylen Balthrop, uh, twelve carries for fifty-five yards. But you know, neither one of these teams in the top ten. And you know, you could make an argument at, at who you potentially would kick out. But I got to think Borden County is got to be knocking on the door of the top ten here very, very soon.
1: Oh completely both of these teams should be in the top 10 but that's why I don't do rankings <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm sure that lots of people could argue with me but these two teams right here are very very good teams and and look at their districts they're they're in Borden County is in the same district with Garden City and Rankin and Sands and Grady and then you got Highland and they're in the same district with Westbrook hermily ira these two teams right here going doing battle they're going to be doing battle a lot here in the coming weeks in their districts
0: no doubt about that one other games across the state miami no problem with lubbock christ the king 59 to 14 that's another team knocking on the uh, uh, uh precipice of a top 10 ranking hayden thompson Three for four passing, 115 yards, two touchdowns. Three carries for 53 yards and two touchdowns. Micah Henshaw had a scoop and score, but probably the best thing in this when we talk about big men, Luke Wheeler for the uh, Miami Warriors. Uh, Wheeler goes at about five foot ten, probably two oh five, two ten. He'll probably reach out to me and say, "Dude, I am not that big," but he looks like a bowling ball on the field. He hurdled a Christ the King Golden Lion at the goal line for a touchdown, and this one it was quite a sight to see there.
1: Oh man! If someone's got a picture of that, send it in.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Follette over Booker, sixty to fourteen. This is a matchup of two teams that haven't played since nineteen eighty eight. Bobby, when they both were eleven man. That is the last year that Follette uh, was an eleven man football. But uh, Booker leads the all time series. But David Meeks took care of business in this one as the Panthers win it 60 to 14. He had 216 yards rushing, five touchdowns, also 35 yards passing and two touchdowns as Follett wins it 60 to 14.
1: I believe Levin Saunders spoke out on this one. Uh Uh-oh. Yes, because someone posted that it was a historic inaugural night and he took issue with that, (laughs) which he should have. Of course he did. (laughs) And I believe, if I if I can remember, it was in the 1950s. Either 1956 or 54 is the last time Follette and Booker played each other as six men. <laughs> he did not agree with the use of the word inaugural, nor with the word historic. <laughs> and he let but everybody that, know. And exactly. you know what? He should have. I may That's have... Right. That's I why have, he's the historian. I may have spurred him on a little bit. Maybe I
0: can't imagine you would have done that.
1: No. <laughs> maybe motivated him just a little. I don't know. Maybe not. Just, huh?
0: just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Other games. of McLean beats Groom 54-40. to Caleb Stewart for the Tigers. 324 yards rushing and a six touchdowns. Nazareth and O'Donnell. Hey, quietly. Nobody's talking about it, but the Screaming Eagles, not a Minnesota State, but O'Donnell, are undefeated on the season, Bobby. They They win this one. They are 44-39. Mason Bolton, 333 yards passing and four touchdowns. Martin Beza, 72 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And Hunter Bolton, uh, 80 yards receiving in this one. The freshman, Zane Schulte, had 137 yards rushing and three scores for the Swifts. And Will Young, 162 yards passing and a touchdown. This game was back and forth. Uh, O'Donnell got a fourth down stop on Nazareth uh, to start the fourth quarter, got the ball back, and that's where they opened up the two uh two-score lead and just never gave it back after that. Uh Paducah takes out Headley. Now, this is an odd score. They went at 38 to nothing.
1: Now you look at that. They and go, I'm gonna and be know, Lehman.
0: Because they really won it one to nothing, and Headley had to forfeit the game with 50 seconds left in the first quarter due to injury. Uh so Officially, Paducah wins it one to nothing, but they were ahead on the scoreboard, thirty-eight to nothing, when this game was stopped. How's that? Man,
1: I have been channeling Lehman a lot today. What is going on? (laughs) My goodness, Uh, he would have said, and none of the stats count because it was a forfeit. You're right. You're right. And that that stinks. I mean, you know, come on. Those kids did play, but. In my most Lehman-esque voice, it was a forfeit. <laughs>
0: well, well, it's time for me to uh, channel my inner Lehman because break up the Herald Hornets. They defeat looters of Oka 47 to nothing. And you say, okay, great. Why does that matter? The Herald Hornets have begun the season 5-0 and on the season for the first time since nineteen ninety. Two, wow! When they made it to the by district round before they lost to the Chillicothe Eagles uh, in that one. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Harold's played the most uh, vaunted schedule in the world. It doesn't matter, folks. They are five and zero on the season for a team that historically, now for quite a long time, has been uh, definitely uh, in the lower echelon of teams. Five and zero is amazing, and a shout out to the Harold Hornets.
1: Yeah, you go, Harold Hornets. I think I said that last week, too. But seriously, 5-0 is nothing to shake a stick at. It's pretty impressive. You've got to be running all together as a team to do that.
0: Yes, you do. Uh, other scores, Brooke Smith over Gustine at 38-18. to Aiden Ribble, 156 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Kevin Keith also had a, a 38-yard rushing touchdown in this one. Blanket over Morin uh 51 more Moran sorry
1: <laughs> see that. gosh almighty you're making see, me be Lehman see? aren't you wow. uh, Cannon
0: Kensing, there for blanket I can say that one 101 yards rushing and four touchdowns Cameron Altman 89 yards rushing and four touchdowns there for the Tigers Robert Lee over Zephyr 52 to 35 Wyatt Stevens in the loss for the Bulldogs 82 yards passing and two touchdowns And Jim Evitz, 63 yards and a rushing touchdown. A couple other scores of note. Hermley over Grady, 52-28. to Cardinals, one of those teams knocking on the door of the top 10. And you mentioned them, the Balmory Bears. They take out Buena Vista, 42-22, to and a team that uh, has kind of gotten forgotten about in Region 1 because it's been a rough start, but starting to get some starters back. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bears play as we move through the season.
1: Oh, that's going to be very interesting. They had some kids step up that were really young, and now they're getting their starters back. Basically, all of them are back now. What that does for Balmeray is gives them more depth. And it does. The Balmeray Bears with Vance Jones having more depth is never a good thing for other teams.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well that wraps up week 5. Let's get to our notes uh along football and I'm going to make you skip over your first two to begin with cuz I want you to talk about the third one, the Moran Bulldogs. A, I'm going to say it right. Uh B, I got to love this is fantastic because as you wrote, they take the field country style. There needs to be a commercial for this.
1: Hey, I have some pictures and I'm going to put them up on the podcast webpage because they are fantastic. So, the Moran Bulldogs pull up to the field in a long cattle trailer with smoke billowing out the back. They stampede out of the trailer, they go through a sign, and they finally make it onto the field. Densie said it was the best thing she has seen in a very long time. And her experience at that game yesterday in Moran was so wonderful and so varied that she is going to write an article about it. We used to write articles after all of our games, you know, what we experienced and stuff. And we've gotten so busy with pictures and all kinds of things that we do that we stopped doing that. Well, guess what? Densie's going to write an article. Make sure you look on Facebook for that. We will be pushing it out as soon as she she does that. But I can't wait to read it because her viewpoint is always so funny.
0: Well, that'll be that'll be fantastic to see. Like I say, if you could make a commercial for six-man football, that's just kind of how it would be, except to make it perfect, it would be the Moran, like the Moran Longhorns. that That's what it would need to be.
1: <laughs> oh, I know, but you should see it. I have a picture of actually them coming out of the back of the trailer with a Texas flag and a United States of America flag.
0: <laughs> incredible, incredible. Well, you talked about jumbotrons and the battle for them. Yes, we have them in six-man football, too. Tell us about the one in Van Horn.
1: Hey, you know, Rankin isn't the only school with a Jumbotron. Um, I actually got a video from Coach Tyrell from Van Horn because the kids were so excited about their huge video board. And um, I put that up on the podcast web page as well so people could go look at it. But it's just really cool. They got great sound system. They got video to go along with it. And what's funny is they just unveiled it and... It was the showdown between the Jumbotron schools, Rankin and Van Horn. Both of them have Jumbotrons. Do you know of any other six-man schools that has that?
0: I don't know of any, but I bet you we're going to find out in a hurry if anybody else does.
1: I I think you're probably right. So give us a holler if if you got a Jumbotron. We might have to sneak out there and look at it or send us a video.
0: Exactly. Uh, another note, and I love this one and, and it goes on in pretty and it's something that uh, a lot of teams should do. And and I think a lot of teams do do something along this line, but there are some schools that don't. And and I think they're just missing the mark. Talk about what pretty does as far as recognizing their officials.
1: They put a post out on Facebook. Yes, I stock Facebook for, for all the schools in 1A so I can find interesting notes for this lovely podcast. But pretty actually ask everybody to donate to have a referee appreciation night. They put together goodie bags to say thank you. They also ask the community to contribute by bringing snacks, T-shirts, gift cards, thank you notes, and other tokens of appreciation. I'm pretty sure that Raken does this as well. Uh, And I know Gordon provides snacks and goodies for referees. I'd like to go ahead and follow in the wonderful footsteps of the Pretty Pirates and start a movement of being grateful for the thankless job that is a referee. Go out there and treat them well, folks. Give them snacks. I mean, it it doesn't take much to get five or six, depending on how many you have drinks and snacks and stuff and just let them know that you appreciate them that'll go a long way
0: it will because end of the day without referees we can't have games that's right, plain and simple no matter what you think of how they're doing out there if they're not out there we can't have a game
1: that is right we can't and that's why so many games this year are on thursday
0: you are right well let's finish up football real quick and we'll talk about the helmet sticker winners and you had a bunch this week uh, across the state
1: we did. We went to several Thursday games, Friday and a Saturday game. So we got we we covered as many as we could. So we had Aaron Guevara. He's a senior from Hart. One thing that is incredibly cool about Aaron is that this is his senior year and it's the first time he has played football since his eighth grade season. But watching him on the field, you would have never guessed that. He did a great job. Also, Toby DePoister, a senior from Wellman Union. Austin Vanek, a senior from Golson; Blaine Minarsik. I hope I said that right. Senior from Bynum. A sophomore from Crest is Zay Reyes. Uh, this kid is an incredible athlete for the Motley County Matadors. Senior, Caden Royce. Remember that name. From Rule, junior, Kylie Mason. From Aspermont, Senior, Carson Guidry. From Robert Lee, Sophomore, Brenner Sherwood. Zephyr, Junior, Wyatt Stevens. Senior from Blanket, Gage Jones. And last but definitely not least, the Junior from Moran Ellis Highs. And those are our sticker winners for Week 5, if you'd like to see them. They are in the Helmet Sticker Winner page.
0: So congratulations to all those young men who uh, uh, represented their team well on the uh, field, both uh, athletically as well as in sportsmanship, which is what the helmet sticker winner is all about. Hey, let's take a look at volleyball. The top 10 as of uh, September 18th is up. And guess what? Speaking of Harold... The Lady Hornets have jumped their way into the top five, Bobby. Of course, Blum at number one, uh, Benjamin two, three is Netches, four is Avalon, and there is number five, the Herald Lady Hornets, saying, hey, don't forget about us. We can play volleyball here. The boys are starting to play football. We can play volleyball. Number six is Round Top Carmine. Seven is Grayford. Eight, McMullen County. Nine, Avent, and ten, McDade. And you've got a note on uh, three uh, young ladies from Netches.
1: Yes, and I said this last week in the podcast, but I did look up their names. And three girls from Natchez surpassed 500 career kills. And get this not one of them is a senior. Wow. We've got Casey Trimble, who's a junior, Celie Hines, who's a junior, and Aubrey Kincaid, who's a junior. And they are running on all cylinders over there at Natchez. And those three girls surpassed 500 career kills. So kudos to you three. That is an excellent, excellent effort. And guess what? Natchez has them for this year and next year.
0: Wow, that's impressive. Well, there's a reason they're ranked number three in the state uh, at 22 and five is playing some really good volleyball. And you've got notes down here talking about important dates. Don't forget, district certification for volleyball is Saturday, October 28th. For by district, it's October 30th and 31st. Area, November 2nd through the 4th. Regional quarters, November 6th through the 7th. Regional tournament, November 10th and 11th. And those regions, Region 1 will be at San Angelo Central High School, Region 2 at Midlothian High School, Region 3 in Fort Worth at Billingsley Fieldhouse, and Region 4 at Brenham High School. And then, of course, the state tournament November 15th through 18th in Garland uh, at that uh, wonderful uh, facility there at the Curtis Colwell Center. And uh, so that should be incredible. The 1A semifinals will be on Wednesday, November 15th uh, at 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then the finals on Thursday, November 16th at 3 p.m. And uh, it'll be fun to follow uh, these teams and see who finally makes it down there as the uh, four representatives for each region in volleyball. Now, finally, let's wrap things up with one of Bobby's favorite things, and that is cross country. The rankings are out for Friday, September 22nd bobby i'll let you take the girls i'll take the boys and uh, <laughs> uh i'll let you have it and uh, talk to us about the girls
1: all righty uh number one is roby those lady lions coming in at number one in the poll followed closely by number two nazareth three spring lake earth where we know that we've got probably the state champion coming right back in in november Number four is Jayton, followed by McMullen County, then Buena Vista, Miller Grove, Eula, White Deer, and number 10 is Natchez. So not only can they play volleyball, but they can run.
0: That they can. When you look at the boys' uh, poll, Slidell, number one, Miller Grove, two, Jayton, three, Fayetteville, four, McMullen County, five. That just sounds like a broken record year after year after year. Number six, Zephyr seven, Comstock, eight, Moulton, Nine text line, and number 10 is St. Joe. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny because you have become the spreadsheet lady, and and coaches love the fact that you put things together for track and, and track things, and who's got the best times, and who's got the best times in the region, who's got the best times in the state. Well, people ask the same thing about cross country, and I know why you don't do it, but I'll let you tell the good folks why you don't.
1: Okay, cross country is a totally different animal than track. Now, yes, they are running, but it is incredibly difficult to get results. So, um, I've had this many, this question many times the last few weeks asking where cross country times. Well, I've never done them until district. I can get district results. It is almost impossible to get cross-country meet times that they're doing before district. So that's why I don't compile them, because I don't believe it would be a complete picture. Um, For track, coaches sent me results of track meets all the time, and usually six-man 1A teams go to the same track meet, so I can get many schools uh, from those. For this Year uh, I will begin compiling the times for cross country as of district. District certification is October fourteenth, so that's just a couple weeks away, Craig. So this means all district cross country meet results must be reported to the UIL by that time. That's what certification date means. Uh, the regional cross country time period is October twenty third and twenty fourth, and state cross country is november 3rd and 4th 1a does run on friday november 3rd and we'll have a uh, specific region information about cross country as the weeks go on probably next week i'll have that information but we're coming down to the nitty-gritty with both volleyball girls volleyball and boys and girls cross country so uh we're about to see a lot of stuff happening all at the same time.
0: We are. And, and and I'll help folks out, Bobby, because I know you don't have a spreadsheet, but anybody who's wondering, I know that they had a 1A through 6A big time uh, regional. I, I keep wanting to say qualifiers, it's more kind of a premier event to kind of let everybody know where they stand in regions. That was there in Lubbock where you're at at May Simmons Park uh, on Saturday And I can tell you the 1A girls was won by Tatum Goodman. And if you think you can win state, you better run at least a 1205 because that's what the young lady clocked in that one. So there you go. There's my part for the spreadsheet for you, Bobby.
1: Well, not only that, but she had to run up that darned hill. I remember having to do that when I went to the regional cross country meet in high school. That hill, someone needs to do something to that hill.
0: It it, it is not fun. But you know (laughs) what? When we talk about cross country, I'm going to divert for just a second. There's one thing about cross country that people don't realize as a parent, if you have a kid running cross country, you're running cross country too, because every meet you're chasing them and you find yourself running two miles yourself. And you're like, what am I doing? I am not in shape for this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I, I, one of my kids ran cross country for a short stint in junior high. Thank goodness. It was a short stint because I, there's no way I hated cross-country in high school and I definitely hated it as a parent and now because I'm a photographer I get to just stand at the finish line well that was a big old lie because last year I had con- uh, Connor your your lovely son that I love so much <laughs> go with me and we were running back and forth we would run to the bridge. We'd take pictures, and we'd run back. And I'm telling you, I'm getting old. I barely got back to that finish line before Tatum Goodman rounded that corner, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, here she comes!" And I'm not, I can't even breathe.
0: <laughs> well, I can tell you, you know how it is at May Simmons Park as a parent. So you watch them come across the bridge. Well, then I sprint all the way up that other hill no to meet them on the backside no cheer them on and then i sprint back down to cheer them on as they run in front of the lake before they cross the bridge again well let's just put it this way i know every time i go to a cross-country meet because i can't walk the next day
1: <laughs> well craig <laughs> does casen still run
0: he, he still runs he's been out he he, he he's been injured uh but uh, his first meet is going to be this saturday so uh, i told him i said i better get on the treadmill and get some running in because i am not going to be ready to chase you one more time you know
1: what i'm going to do for all you folks out there on the backroads podcast listening in at the regional cross-country meet here in lubbock they always have it at may simmons if Kason is running in the regional meet I'm going to get video of Craig running the hills, trying (laughs) to see his son run. How about that? I'll promise you that. Even if I have to run with (laughs) you.
0: Oh, that might be a sight not everybody wants to see, Bobby. I got to tell you.
1: (laughs) I want to see it.
0: Oh my goodness. At 54 years old, I feel it more and more every single day.
1: You know, people don't tell you that about getting old. I mean, they tell you things hurt, but my gosh, seriously, uh, I wake up every day and I'm like, oh, we're doing this today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. I hear you 100%. Well, Bobby, let's get out of here. This was week five of the Backroads Podcast, a wild and crazy week. And we got so much more football coming at you next week. But until then, I'm Craig Spree with Happy Sports Network and PresspassSports.com
1: and I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Remember, go forward and do good.